Amen and amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you to our, our worship team. It's just an awesome time in worship. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all this morning. And um, this morning, you might notice some of our, our high school and junior hires are, are missing. And that's because they're up in the mountains and they're just wrapping up their retreat. So um, I know they've had a, a, an awesome time. And, and um, we were short on drivers and people stepped up and drove up and then came back and drove back up and picked up kids. So it's just, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. That's worth a clap. So yeah, um, we can be praying for them and, and um, just know that they're having an awesome time. Um, this morning, we, we have a, just a real privilege, and that's to be a part of um, baby dedications and, and children dedications. And we have seven kids. Can you believe that? Seven kids. Yeah. This is what we often say. We have an organic church growth model, right? You just keep growing the church that way. But in all truth, I just before we, I call up the, um, the parents and their children and whoever that you brought with you to support you today, I just wanted to just say a few words about um, dedication and give us a sense of, of what it is and why we do it. Um, where, where we get dedication is um, one of the, the passages or places in scripture is, is in the Old Testament when Hannah, who just was desperate for a child and the Lord was good to her and the Lord opened her womb and she had a baby boy. And, um, and, and she was overtaken by the faithfulness of God, and, and she was compelled to give her child to the service of the Lord. And for her, what that looked like, she weaned the child, she cared for the child, and continued to be involved in his life. But she literally gave him to the priest, Eli, to, to be a servant and to grow and be trained as a priest. And Samuel, of course, was one of the, one of the great priests of the Old Testament. Now, you parents, sometimes you're ready to go, here, you know. Take them. Uh, that's not the, the heart of dedication. But, um, so, but, but what, what is the heart of dedication is captured in, in this passage in, in 1 Samuel. And I want to put it up on the screen. I just thought it was beautiful. This is her words. Hannah said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked him. So listen, so now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And then it says, and then he worshiped the Lord there. I like the ESV, it says, um, and she lent him to the Lord. You know, it really speaks of this relationship, parents, that we have, that we're in, in relationship with God, we're in relationship with our kids, and God gives us our children. And one of the things I want to say to every single parent here, not only the ones that are dedicating today, but um, at whatever stage or age that your kids are, um, you're the, the most qualified person on the planet for them, that God entrusted them to you. That, that he's given you what you need to stay close to their heart, um, to have insight into their life, and he's entrusted their lives into your hands. And so I want to encourage you. There's times as parents where we're not sure. It's funny how you, you know, one works on one kid, but then it doesn't work on the other. Same method. It just doesn't work. Worked beautifully on this one, but it doesn't work on that one. But God gives us the wisdom and the insights that we need. Um, the Lord... Uh, tells us that we're to, to train up this child in the way they should go, or this promise. We train the child in the way they should go. It's a proverb. And then when they're old, they won't depart. And sometimes we think that we're carving out kids in our own image, you know? We want our, our kids to like what we like and do what we do. But really what scripture teaches is we stay close to their heart and we find out how they're bent, how they're wired. We get close to their heart. We find out their gifts and we, we, we help them to stay in the way that God has made for them. And in the end, they don't depart. And so, um, parents, I just want to encourage each and every one of you that, that today is a, a special day. Today you'll get pictures, you'll get like a, a, a baptism certificate, so it's, I mean, a, a, a dedication certificate, so you know it's legit. Um, but really, more than anything, 
This is an opportunity for you to present your children before the Lord and before our community here, where we together say we want to be a part of these children's lives, that, that you are the primary discipler parent. You're the one that, that you're going to teach them the ways of the Lord. We get to come alongside and support and help you to do that. And so some of you out here, you'll be their future Sunday school teachers. Others of you will have just a special bond that forms when you're eating donuts together beforehand or doing different things. But we're a part of a, a church family, a church community. And so in that regard, we have the privilege of dedicating these children to the Lord. So I'm going to invite the whole crew, anyone uh, who is affiliated in any way, shape, or form with baby dedication or child dedication today, come on up. We're just going to see how this works. So come on up, everybody. Yeah, hi, Shep. I also want to invite our, our pastoral staff, our deacons. Um, you guys can come too. We're going to just surround you. Maybe our, our leadership can come up here on the stage and, and stand behind. And, and uh, everybody else, why don't you come right up in here? Just fill in the gaps here in the center as well. We always say that somehow people don't like to come in this zone. It's like, so Andy's going to come right in there. So. I think we just pulled half the congregation. <laughs> All right, it's a beautiful thing. Parents, again, I, I just, um, just want to say to you that uh, God has given you a gift, you know, and I think you know that about your kids, but he's not only given you the gift of, of the child, but he's given you a gift to be all that you need for that child and that you find that in the Lord and, um, and also in the community that surrounds you. Like what a, what a privilege it is to see um, generations up here. You know, you see friends, families, grandparents, aunts, uncles. And, um, and so I just want to encourage you that there are those times, those, I think there are a period of years where you just feel like you are tired, you know, like you haven't slept an entire night. Um, and that just doesn't ever change. So I just wanted to encourage you. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, but it's a wonderful thing. I want to ask you all as parents, um, just as a way of, of just saying your, your commitment to your children in front of your church family and in front of the Lord, um, will you all do your part to raise your children in the ways of the Lord? Yeah. And, and as, as such, um, will you do your best as well to, to model what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. Millie's sitting back here. I saw her there. And Millie has this statement that we've all grown up with. It says, more is caught than taught. That you can do every seminar. You can read every book. But as you live your life um, doing your best to follow Jesus, your kids are going to follow along. And so I want to encourage you with that. We're going to get right to it. I'm going to start with, with Lily over here. And um, is that okay? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Who's Lily? Lily is your daughter. Remember that, that part? No, I'm just kidding. I want to invite you. We're just going to um, pray and dedicate each child. And I'm just going to invite you as a congregation to just stretch out your hands and, and pray with us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful girl. God, I thank you for her life. Jesus, I thank you that um, you formed her and shaped her in the womb, Lord, and you've given her gifts, and we dedicate her to the Lord. We, we pray that your hand would be strong upon her, Lord. We pray that she would know you at an early age, Lord. We pray that she would walk with you and that um, 
her parents would know your heart and know your heart for your daughter. So we bless her now and we dedicate her to you in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. 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 All right. Hey, we got Holland and Avalon. And Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this family. We thank you for these beautiful daughters. Lord, for Holland and for Avalon. God, we thank you for their parents who um, are like some kind of superhumans, really. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts and talents and abilities that you've put within them. God, but we thank you, Lord, for their hearts that are after you. And we thank you for, for their daughters. Jesus, we, we dedicate them to you, Father. We pray that your hand would be strong upon their lives. Just as, as Hannah prayed and, and gave her son to you, they now, Lord, give their daughters to you for your plan and purposes to be fulfilled in their lives. We bless them. We dedicate them to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh, I'm going to go right here behind you. Ryan and Stephanie, this is beautiful Beatrix. Will she let me hold her or will sure. that? Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Look at, we, we have the camera there so everybody can see her. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful girl, Beatrix. God, we thank you that you formed her and you shaped her. Lord, we thank you, God, that you love her with an everlasting love. And Jesus, we hold her before your throne of grace, Lord, and we dedicate her to you for your plan and purpose to be fulfilled in her life. We bless her, we bless her parents, and we thank you for her in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 She's a tire. No, she's awesome. All right. Oh, Shep. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. This is Mr. Shep. Look at this big boy. He's like, what's up, dude? Lord, thank you for Shep. God, thank you for Shepherd. We pray, Father, that you would bless his life. God, we pray that you would unfold to him the gifts that you have for him, the plan and purpose for his life. I thank you for Andy, and I thank you for Natalie. God, I thank you for parents who know you and who love you and who serve you, who know their kids and know their kids' hearts. Give them insight into Shepherd's life, God. Keep your hands strong upon him, I pray, and bless him in every way. We dedicate him to you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Will he let me hold him? Or? Can I hold you, buddy? You started this whole dedication train. You know that, buddy. Can I try? Your mom's right here. She's right here, dude. Thank you. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> but he's smiling. He's a happy guy. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for Eli. And bless him in the name of Jesus, God. I thank you for his joy, Lord. Uh, I pray that the joy of the Lord would be his strength all the days of his life. I pray for his parents, Lord, that you, Father, would bless them, encourage them. God, that you would um, continue to draw them close together as a family in you. Lord, I thank you for the plans and purposes that you have for Eli's life. And we dedicate him to you, Lord. Again, may he know you at an early age. May he love you. And may he follow you all the days of his life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. All right, Koa. Kind of sneak back over here. Can I hold you, pal? Look at this guy. Everybody knows Koa. Look at this guy. There's mom and dad right there. All right. I think I lost my microphone, but that's okay. Lord, thank you for Koa. God, I thank you for his life. Father, we bless him. 
Lord, we know that you had a plan and a purpose before the foundations of the world. And it involved him. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that you would unfold your purposes for his life. God, we dedicate him to you. Lord, we bless him in the name of Jesus. God, we pray that his gifts would um, be known to his parents, Lord. And that as, as um, those gifts are, are continuously revealed, that they would have the creative plans to fan those things into flame. Mm-hmm. Lord, may he know you. May he follow you. May he love you all the days of his life. Mm-hmm. Thank you for a strong, big boy. Mm-hmm. And we bless him and we dedicate him to you in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 You're a good sister. <laughs> all right. Oh, we dedicate him. We dedicate him. All right. Oh. It's a, a brand new uh, baby, Aaron, here. <laughs> Lord, thank you for him. Lord, thank you for his life. Thank you for his parents, God. Lord, a precious moment, God, to just stand together with such a new life. Father, we um, bless baby Aaron. God, we bless him in the name of Jesus. Father, we dedicate him to you. Lord, may you fulfill your purposes in his life. May he know you and follow you. Lord, give his parents insight and grace and all the gifts they need to parent him well. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Who did I miss? Is that everybody? I feel like... Did I miss anybody? All right. Anybody else want to get dedicated? (laughs) All right. Well, hey, bless you guys. That's so awesome, huh? (laughs) You're rad, man. Fun. Man, how fun. There's some good-looking kids here, huh? Aren't you glad you go to a church that doesn't have ugly babies? That's good. Sorry, I'm going to fix this. So, well, We're going to be in the, continue on in the Gospel of John. Sorry, while I... All right, I think we're good now. We good? It is what it is, right? Um, we're in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, and um, if you could turn there now with me. I've just so been enjoying um, this time in, in the Gospel of John, and I, I hope you have too, and I was just sharing with some new friends that, it, you know, when you read God's Word and when you study it, it, it feels like you're reading it for the first time every time, and isn't that the power of the Holy Spirit to, to just make all things new? And so my prayer this morning is that as we look at, at chapter 10, which is a very familiar passage of Scripture, that it would become new to you. Amen? Can we just pray to that end? Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to, to open our hearts and open our understanding. Lord, give us your eyes to see and your ears to hear um, what your spirit is doing in this moment and let your word come alive to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. John chapter 10, um, Jesus is uh, going into like an extended metaphor, like an allegory about sheep and shepherds. Uh, the scripture talks a lot about Shepherds, because the ancient world was an agrarian world. Um, It would be very normal to have these analogies about sheep and shepherd. We know that we have lots of jokes and things in the church 
about sheep, like we're not the smartest animals in the world, right? Just as sheep aren't the smartest animals in the world, that we need the Lord, we need the one to follow. And, um, and when I think of, of this metaphor of sheep and shepherds, you know, you think of like some of the, the most familiar passages of the scripture. Somebody shout out what you think of when you think of sheep and shepherds. Psalm 23, at least I knew I could count on you. Um, psalm 23, it really is the, the one that, that I think of. The, the 23rd Psalm um, speaks of the character and nature of God as a shepherd. And I want to put it up on the screen. And I thought it would be um, really kind of something for us to do this morning to just say it out loud together. And the, and the reason why we do is because scripture is meant to be read. And it's meant to be read out loud. Did you know that? That, that we were called in the New Testament to not neglect the public reading of scripture. And, and as you read this, uh, I want to encourage you to, to just take in the truths of what you're reading. This is God's word, amen? And because it's God's word, I think we should stand up while we read it. Are you with me? You don't have to, but um, you should, I think. So if you can, if you're able to, let's just stand together. And we'll read it together. It might be a little bumpy in the beginning, but I'm sure we'll find a rhythm as we go through it. So we'll read it in this translation off the screen. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It's a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. And it sets the, the, the tone just right. It sets the tone in, in even for what Jesus is about to share with us about sheep and shepherds is that it's about our followership. You know, we talk an awful lot about leadership, but um, it would serve us well to understand what it means to follow. And we know that when we follow the Lord that, that he has our best in mind. It, it literally says that he leads us to those places where, um, where we can eat, right, to those green pastures. That's spoken of places that sheep could, could be well-nourished, to places where there's still water, where uh, the, the sheep could drink, and, and one of the things I love in that 23rd Psalm is that he guides us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That the shepherd cares about the sheep. He cares about the direction and the decisions of the sheep. That he has a vested interest in his flock. That he is interested in you fulfilling his will for your life. That God isn't making this a mystery to you. He's not cruel. He's not um, trying to make it hard for you to discern what's right or wrong or, or difficult or what direction you should go to the right or to the left or what career decision you should make or the, the person you should spend the rest of your life with in marriage or these things. He's not being cruel and withholding. He's drawing you near to help you to see what his will is for your life. And if you'll be faithful to follow him, he'll be faithful to lead you. How many of you could honestly raise your hand and say at, criti at a critical moment in your life, you made a big decision and you knew that God led you to do it, and it was unmistakably clear, but it wasn't easy. Would you just raise your hand? This is the story of our faith. 
that our, our following God isn't always easy. He doesn't always spoon feed us the answers, but when we seek him, we find him, and he wants to lead us into those places. And so uh, I just felt like I, I wanted to share that with you, and I hope that it encourages you, and I hope that the very words of it are life to your soul, like the word of God washing over you. When I think of shepherds, I also think of um, the, the first group of, of men that were in the fields at night and seeing the the multitude of angels and the announcement of Jesus and going to Jesus. Shepherds were hardworking. You think of King David, you know, King David in the Bible, who is at the fields um, caring for the, shepherd, for the sheep day and night. Uh, when, he's, when he's chosen as king, they look at all his brothers and they're like, no, not this one, not this one, not this one. You got, any, got anybody else? It's like, oh, that, that obscure guy. You know, the one that, that we don't even really think about because he's always off busy in the field. David? Yeah, him. Let's go find him. And they find King David, and it's this is the one. And I think that there's a message in that as well, that there are many years often. You know, I, I heard this saying. I can't remember what it actually is, the, the specifics of it, but it was like it takes like, I don't know, 15 years to be an overnight success or something like that. Have you heard that saying before? It takes like 10 or 15 years to be an overnight success. That there are things that are done in secret. There are things that are done, maybe not in secret, that's not the right word for it, that are not recognized, that are not um, public. And some of you are in that season of your life where you feel like you're in obscurity, like you're just doing it. You're following Jesus day after day. And as King David was doing that, he wasn't King David. He was just the guy taking care of sheep, but he was learning the lessons of leadership, and he was learning courage, and he was learning how to, to follow God in difficult situations. And some of you might be in that season of your life. But as Jesus brings us into John chapter 10, um, he is talking very specifically in context to last week's message. Now, I know you all remember last week's message, um, word for word. <laughs> The, where we were last week in John chapter 9 was all about what I call the mud miracle. It's one of my favorite miracles that Jesus did, um, where he makes mud out of the dirt using his spit and rubs the mud on the face or anoints, as one um, translation says, anoints the blind man who was blind from birth. And the man is then cited after. And then it goes into this big controversy about, about the fact that Jesus chose to do that on the Sabbath. The fact that he did it on the Sabbath was more important than the fact that he did it. Isn't that crazy? I say, everybody say, that's crazy. It'll make me feel good. The fact that Jesus healed a man that was born blind wasn't a bigger deal than the fact that he did it on the Sabbath and broke the rule. And, and so we're still in context to that, um, that miracle. You remember that this man was heavily interrogated for his miracle. Like, wait, how did you know that you can't be the guy? You must just look like him because, you know, you, you can't do miracles on the Sabbath. And then he was interrogated further. They even found his parents, right? When they found his parents, they said, hey, was this, is, this, is this your son? Was he really born blind? They said, that's our son, and he was born blind, but you got to ask him because he's an adult. And you remember why they said that? For fear of social pressure. Because they knew that if they associated with Jesus, that they would be removed from the synagogue. And guess what? They weren't, but who was? He was. He was removed from the synagogue. And what happens after he's removed from the synagogue? This is the best part of the whole story. The good shepherd found the lost sheep. He heard word of the fact that this young man who was born blind but that could now see was rejected by the religious leaders who were, in this allegory, will be called hirelings. 
He rejected by them, Jesus goes and finds him and radically accepts him. And this is the message of our good shepherd. And so when we're studying the Bible and we're studying chapter by chapter, sometimes we can be tempted, especially in John chapter 10. There's some like, you know that we as Christians have like top 10 scriptures? The ones that we all know and we use them in conversation. We don't really know where they're at, but we, we've heard so many people say them that we say them also. There's one in here that you've said many times. It says that the thief comes to do what? But what does Jesus come? Is everybody awake? Was it like, is there something? Did we serve coffee today or was it just donuts only? Are they laying thick on you? It says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Or steal, kill, and destroy. One of the, but Jesus has come that you would have life and life to the fullest. That is a top ten scripture verse. But we're going to look at this verse, that particular verse, in context of the story. And what's important, and I hope that you'll hang on to for just a moment, is the fact that the context of the story is there was a man who was blind from birth, who received sight, who was rejected, and who was found, and then who was brought into the fold. And so with that in mind, keep in, I'm going to read some of these passages now. But some of the key parts of this um, chapter will be these metaphors of a door. Everybody say a door. True shepherds. And the flock. And so here, here we go. And it begins with a truly, truly. And every time there's a truly, truly, Jesus is like, listen, listen. You need to pay attention to what I'm about to say. I'm about to say something important. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brought them, and when he brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. They do not know a voice of a stranger. This figure of speech was used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Have you ever been in like an argument and you're so heated because you know you're right and the other person's an idiot? So you, that's how you're just like, I don't even listen to what you're saying. And so they could, be, they could be like saying so much and all you're hearing is Charlie Brown's teacher, wom, 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 because you know your position is so strong. That's kind of the situation that the Pharisees or the religious elite are in as they're hearing this story. They're like, yeah, yeah, well, they're not really paying attention to what's being said. And so Jesus breaks it down for them very, very clearly. But as they then begin to understand what he's saying, it is deeply offensive to the core of who they are. He is burning them big time. Jesus is basically calling them out on their lack of leadership. And he speaks of himself first and foremost. It says um, that, that he is the door. And those who enter the sheepfold... They um, climb in another way. Those are thieves and robbers. Um, one interpretation of this is to say Jesus came straight out of the gate declaring who he was. There was no um, hiddenness to it. In fact, he claims that he's God. He claims that he's the Messiah. And their response to that is they pick up rocks to throw them at him to want to stone Jesus. So he's like, I've been honest with you. This is who I am. But he's saying of the religious leaders, you guys are robbers. <laughs> You're different than I am. You're coming in, you're climbing over walls. You're coming in the back door, and you're harming people. And again, keeping in context that what just happened, 
They had just kicked out a person who received a miracle and was now cited, but because he identified with Jesus, um, he was no longer allowed in the synagogue. And so then he goes on and, and, um, and he talks about the fact that, that there are um, gatekeepers that open, the sheep that hear his voice. What I learned about this is that in the ancient world, there were two different type of sheep pens, that there was the sheep pen that was in the, the village, and there was the sheep pen that was out in the countryside where they, the sheep would um, be out to pasture. The one that was in the countryside was kind of like a, um, a collective where different flocks would be together. So you bring your sheep in. Maybe you, you got some business to take care of at home or whatever else. So there's a, a, a keeper there of the sheep. You bring your flock in, and your flock intermingles with the other sheep, Right? And, and as they, um, all these sheep are together, they're under the care of this collective. And when it's time for you to get your sheep out, um, how do you think you do that? You call them, right? And, and different people have different um, ideas about this, but some of the things that I read that said that, that some shepherds had like a, like a call, you know, like, I don't know, I just made that up, it just came to me. And, and they know, okay, that is, that when I hear, then, then I follow that guy. And the other sheep are like, what is that? But all the sheep that perk up to that, they know it's time for us to go. And they separate from the sheep that are there, and they make their way out to pasture. That's one type of, of, um, uh, of pen that they have. And that's the first one that it seems like Jesus is talking about. Um, the, the fact here is so important for you and for me, and it's going to be reinforced that, that Jesus knows his sheep. And this is an application for you. Do you realize that you are known by God? And that is a big deal. You're known by God. And you get, a, you get an insight into the, the, the aspect or the character of Jesus, his personality, that um, when you know somebody um, and you know something about somebody's personality or whatever else, what's often the, the, the thing that happens? You, you develop a nickname for that person, right? You remember the, the Sons of Thunder, two of Jesus' disciples. That wasn't their name. Jesus came up with that, and he was like, man, you, you're big boys, and, and, and you got a lot to say. You're Sons of Thunder, you remember that, um, that there was Jesus uh, talking to Peter, and he calls him Cephas. He says, Peter, you're a rock, right? And you're, I'm going to build my church upon you. These, these nicknames. And who knows? I'm sure that Jesus had nicknames for the rest of his disciples, and he's probably got them for you. And how these nicknames, that, how they come up. And, and, and one of the, the um, guys that I was reading was saying that shepherds are that way. They look at the, the, the way that their, their sheep are, and they, they name them by that. It's like a little nickname. Hey, woolly white, woolly sheep. Come on. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Hey, hoppy. You know, hey, chewy. I don't really know a lot about sheep, but, but I have a really cool dog, and I know a lot, I know a lot about my dog. So I, 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 have to, I have to think that a shepherd would care to know the personality, and along with the personality comes the name that follows. And, and, and don't just shut me off with this because it's so important for each one of you to know that he knows your personality and he knows your name and he calls you by that. And why is this important? Because it stands in contrast to a religious system that was the opposite. The religious system that was the opposite was here's a group of people who will reject you if you don't obey the rules. And so the blind man, they didn't even know his name. He was just the blind man from birth. But Jesus goes and he rescues him, knows him, leads him, and, and um, gives him opportunity to follow. And so um, they don't understand, it says in, in verse 6, it says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, 
but they did not understand what he was saying. And so you go on to, to chapter 7. Chapter 7, excuse me, verse 7, is um, likely the second pen. Um, this is the one that, that is out in the, the pasture. And this one's pretty cool because um, if, you, if you were to go into even the Middle East now, you would see that there are rock formations that are, are, are formed in a way that um, maybe it's like a circle or a big square. And there isn't an actual gate that closes it, but there's a space that's probably big enough for a, a, a human to lay down in front of. Jesus uses this um, analogy and says that he is the gate. And this is what it talks about. It says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door, or your version might say gate. I'm the door of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers. Just understand the tension of this moment. Jesus is in a conversation with people that oppose him and he opposes. And he's saying, I, I'm the door of the sheep. And all of you are thieves and robbers. He's looking at the religious leaders and he's calling them out publicly. He says, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go out and find pasture. Likely the interpretation of this is that the door he's speaking of is a door of salvation. That there is, is one way that, that was being taught that if you abide by the rules and regulations that you could somehow appease or please God. Or there is one who fulfills all the requirements of the law on your behalf so that you can walk through a gate and enter into eternal life. The abundant life that Jesus plans for us and for all humanity called salvation. But, but the, the point of the gate is really important. And, it, and again, this is important for you and me as we're following Jesus and learning more about him and loving him and growing in relationship with him. What we discover about Jesus is that he is our fierce protector. How many of you know that? Jesus is our fierce protector. You know the saying, over my dead body? This is likely where this kind of saying came from, that the shepherd would be the literal gate and he would lay down at night when it was time for the sheep to... To, I don't know, what do the sheep count when they can't sleep? I was just wondering about that. But, but the, the sheep would, when it was time for them to go to bed, they, the, the shepherd would, would lay down there. And the reason he would lay at the gate is because it was the only entry point. And so if he was awoken by the, the steps of, of, of a predator coming that way, he could get up and take care of business. It would have been difficult for the predators to crawl up over the wall, but he would be able to hear and be aware of that and react to it if that was the case. This is the picture of Jesus that he lays before you. One in salvation that he, he paid the price ultimately in, in protection of your life for eternity. And two, that nothing happens in your life that doesn't pass before him. And sometimes, man, we have questions about that, don't we? Like, why did you allow that to pass before me? But we can rest in the fact that he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. If you jump down to, to verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How abundant do you think the, the man who was born blind, how abundant was his life? It, 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 not just because he had a disability, that's not what I'm saying, but because of the time that he lived in and the culture that he lived in, he had one job to do every day, to go and to be with all the others who were born in such a situation, 
and do his best to beg so that he could have some existence. That doesn't sound abundant to me. You know, God didn't send his son into the world so that we could all still remain beggars. He sent his son into the world so that we can have abundance of life. And before you get really excited and think that that means financial abundance, I don't think that's the case. I think God is faithful. He'll provide what you need according to his riches and glory. But I'm not jumping off here into a prosperity gospel sermon. The abundant life that he came to give you is is eternal life, everlasting life. And can I tell you something? That doesn't just begin when you step out of this life and into your, your heavenly existence. In other words, when you die, eternal life doesn't start. Do you realize that eternal life is a quantity of life and a quality of life that begins the moment you say yes to Jesus? I think if we really understood that, um, we, we might face things a little bit differently. I've been talking with a young man who recently asked Jesus into his life and the implications are huge for him. And, and as we talked about it, the excitement of what Jesus has done where his eyes have been opened to everlasting life. Again, not just what I grew up hearing is what was called fire insurance, right? Fire insurance, meaning you say yes to Jesus, you don't die and go to hell. That is true. But there's so much more meaning in life. There's so much more abundance for us to to walk in. And Jesus is saying this. There's purpose in this life. And when you really begin to understand that and when you accept that, when you begin to follow the good shepherd of the sheep and when, you be, when you're able to identify the, the, the hirelings, those that, that claim to be leaders of your life but really have only their good in mind when they're considering your life, when you have eyes to see that that's not the, the situation or not the purpose of your life, but following Jesus leads to freedom and it leads to an, a purpose in your life that you can only know in him, when, that, when you become aware of that, you can't help but want others to come along for the ride. And the blind man, I believe, um, was no, I know he was no longer blind. He, he could then see. So my point in all of this, and I hope that you could stay with me just for a few more minutes. Your Super Bowl party will await you. What does the game start at 3? Three? 3 o'clock? I'll be done at like 2.30, you guys. You guys are good to go. <laughs> The thief comes to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you something. That is definitely what Satan wants to do in your life, but this verse is not about Satan. Do you know that? I mean, we can make the leap that's there. Okay, I don't want to mess up your theology. We can make the leap because we know Jesus has already said, hey, you're to, to the Pharisees, what was their favorite burn, right? It was just like playground burns, right? They're like junior hires burning each other. Not Jesus. Jesus was much cooler. But they were like junior hires trying to burn Jesus. And whenever he would respond to their challenge, their big burn was like, you have a demon. Do you remember? He's, they're going to say it again. It's like the one they know, oh, I'm so ticked right now. You have a demon. Jesus methodically and, and, and intelligently makes claims, backs them up, and they get frustrated. This here is not, and the leap is this, that at one point Jesus says, you you say I have a demon, but really, honestly, your father is the devil. That's what he tells them. 
So we know that, that the way they're acting is demonic in nature, but we've co-opted this. We've taken this verse to be like the characteristic of Satan is this. And yes, Satan does this, but the big bottom line is if you're interpreting this scripture, he's talking about the Pharisees right now. He's talking about the religious leaders, that their methods, their religion, their rules and regulations have come to steal life, to kill them as they want to do for Jesus, to destroy them. But Jesus has come for something different. His mission is to give life and life to the fullest. And so he goes on in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd. He does not own the sheep. And he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf, I never know to say wolf or wolf. 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 Okay. The animal, not the dog bark, cartoon dog bark. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. This is a stark contrast, a stark contrast between Jesus, who is the true shepherd of the sheep, who, who speaks to, who protects, who lays down his life for, who knows intimately, and those that just claim the role of shepherds. Like, I got a staff right here. I got the head thing and whatever else. I'm a shepherd. He's making clear the difference between the two. And in that, I think he gives us the opportunity to make decisions about our own life. Verse, um, chapter 10 and verse 14. It says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. This is cool because for most of us in this room, we're not of, of, of Jewish heritage. Phyllis. <laughs> the rest of us, most of us, probably Gentiles. This speaks to us. It says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock, one shepherd. He's now speaking of God's great mission to bring everybody together in the world to, to have the opportunity for salvation. And it says, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back up. I charge, this charge I have received from the Father. Listen, if you're getting anything out of these red words, and if you go back to it, learn more about the character and nature of Jesus who loves you so much, who knows you, who willfully chose you, as we've often said, who, who, who not only loves you because he has to, because he likes you. He, he, he knows your personality. He knows your nickname. And he willfully lays down his life so that you can have life abundant. Verse 19 is this repeated theme. And it was in chapter 9. And here it is again in chapter 10. It says that there was a division among the Jews because of these words. Jesus is controversial. Have you recognized that in your life? You can talk about a lot of things. You could talk about a higher power. You could talk about God. You can even say God. You say a great force. But you start Jesus talk, and you see that the, the, the atmosphere of the room often shifts. Have you recognized that? Just the, the, the name of Jesus, the ways of Jesus can be divisive. 
and controversial. But the type of division that it is is not what it speaks about in the church. Division that you have in the church is something completely different. The division you have in the church is because of gossip or something else or misunderstandings about one another. We're called to be one unified body with God as our head, Jesus, the head of the church. But division in this world is when we bring Jesus into a, a scenario, it, it, it causes people to have to either think about what John's doing here, think about his claims, or deny them. And this is exactly what happens. The Jews, um, because of these words, many of them said, well, their favorite burn, here it comes. He has a demon, and he is insane. Why listen to him? This is not new, guys. This is what they've been saying from the beginning. Do you remember when they said, what, is he going to go take his own life? They, they have charged him with instability. They have charged him with, with being of the devil. But others who are thinking people say, this is super hard to understand. I don't get it all because of the way I was raised. But they say, are these not the words of, these are, excuse me, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. And then I love this statement. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Remember as you read this and maybe you study it further that this first part of John chapter 10 is about the blind guy who receives sight. And because it's about that, maybe for, for us today, we need to circle back around and look at the areas in our own lives where, where we can be potentially spiritually blind. I have just a few application points and then you're out the door this morning. The first question is this. Um, the reality is that Jesus is your door, but are you allowing him to be the protector of your life? You know, allowing Jesus to be the protector of your life is not just saying, Jesus, be the protector of my life, amen. But it's following him. It's following the wisdom of scriptures, following the ways of Jesus. Is Jesus your leader? You know, this one I think that we, we, we run into quite a bit as humans, that we, we love Jesus to be our helper, right? We love Jesus to be our friend, we love Jesus to be maybe our, our, our co-laborer, our, um, the one that, you know, like sometimes we can approach and say, hey, Jesus, I got this great idea. Maybe me and you could really change this neighborhood, you know? You help me out. We'll get through to these people or we'll do this and that. But, but, but our position as sheep is to follow the shepherd who knows us and loves us. And so the, the simple question is we all probably want to lead at some level, but how is our following going? Is Jesus our leader? And the reason it's so important to follow Jesus, and I know this sounds so elementary, but Jesus is eternal. He knows what's coming. Do you know that? Jesus knows what's coming. And he's not worried about it. He's the gate. Nothing, nothing happens in your life that doesn't pass before him. And so it's wise for us to truly follow him. And the last one, I think, is just a reminder, and I hope that it, it, it warms your heart. I hope that it reminds you of who he is, that your decision to follow Jesus and your walking with him, um, as we learn through the Gospel of John, it, it, it's, it's not just a, a robotic thing. It's a very deeply re relational one. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but probably each one of us in the room that have followed Jesus for any length of time can have stories of moments where we just felt like he just knew us. 
There was a, maybe a, an event that happened in your life or a way that you know, he just surprises you with, with, with his goodness, something that is specific to you. Remember the nickname thing, right? Specific to you. Jesus knows you. He knows your characteristics. He knows your name. And I just want to invite you, maybe we can just stand together. I'll ask um, Ben if you guys would come back up and we can end with a song. Just as they're, um, as they're coming to, to lead us, I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. Again, you'll be on to something else in just a moment. But lives change in moments. Like literally, our lives change in a moment. You know, today you you came to church. Some of you came because you're visiting. Some of you come because it's what you do every Sunday. Some of you came along with um, somebody who is having their child dedicated. However it is that you're here, you're here for a reason, and your life changes in a moment. This passage in John, this portion in John, is, is really important because it deals with Jesus being not only the gate to protect you, but the door that leads you into salvation. God, I pray that as we have our eyes closed before you, not in a way of shame or guilt or awkwardness, but in a way of just desiring to meet with you for a moment. God, I pray that you would come and encounter us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that the the reality of the truth of your word would penetrate our hearts, that it wouldn't just be me talking like blah, 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 but it would be you and your word coming alive into the very heart of our lives. Lord, for the ones that have been radically rejected, misunderstood, wounded, even by pastors or by a church, or for the ones that did their best to do everything right, but it didn't turn out right in the end. Or for the ones that know that they have sinned and fallen short of your glory, but yet for some reason in this moment feel a sense of regret and conviction over sin. For, for, for ones that are just barely hanging on, but wear a really good smile on their face and show a lot of success in their lives, but internally are just barely hanging on. God, you know your sheep. You know our condition. And you welcome us in. Just as you welcomed the one who was born blind, you gave him sight. And when that one was rejected, you said, come, be a part of this family. The Bible makes it very clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And then Jesus out of God's great love for us, was sent to this earth to live a perfect and sinless life, to walk among the people and deal with stuff like this, religious systems, political garbage, all kinds of of just arguments and things that we see in our world today. Jesus walked among these things and he spoke truth and he spoke life that still penetrates our hearts today. And he offers each and every one of us an invitation. Come and follow me. 
For some, they were blue-collar fishermen that were out with their nets, and Jesus said, hey, come follow me, and they dropped their nets and follow. For others, they were white-collar tax collectors. And Jesus offers the invitation to come and follow and to be free. Lord, we want to follow you, and if you want to follow Jesus today, I, I just invite you. I invite you to tell him. I invite you to respond to the truth of the invitation that he gives and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I've, I've made a mess of my life. I followed after many things. I want to follow after you because you say of yourself, you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, I pray that as we sing this song, you would move in hearts and draw people into a, a relationship with you where you would know them and they would know you. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing this song together. You better your way as the song says here we are God we, we give our lives to you we welcome you come lead us the great shepherd of the sheep the true shepherd the one who lays his life down for the sheep the one who knows us the one who doesn't run away when difficult times come but draws near to protect Jesus, we love you, we worship you, and we honor you. I pray that you would draw us into a deeper walk with you. And for those that have yet to say yes to you, Lord, continue to show them your goodness, that they might also become a part of your flock. Bless, bless each one now, I pray. And I thank you for them in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you.
Just what to do 